Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast with Matthew Sardo. Take your sticky paws off me, you damn dirty ass. <laughs> Holy <laughs> sh! They're actually monkeys fighting robots! You can follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. <laughs> And on Instagram at Monkeys Fighting Robots. Make sure to download and review our podcast from iTunes and Stitcher. And now, here's your host, Matt. Welcome to the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Sardo. I'm also the co founder of MonkeysFightingRobots.com. Today's show is going to be amazing. We're going to talk with Seth Graham Smith, the creator of Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. On the second half of the show, we have Jake Marchinetti, the youngest author ever to write a New York Times bestseller. To explain why the zombie craze will never die is our first guest. He is a three-time New York Times bestselling author, a screenwriter, producer, and director of film and television. In 2009, Seth Graham Smith's novel, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, debuted at number three on the New York Times bestseller list, single-handedly kicking off the mashup craze. It's since sold over 2 million copies and has been translated into more than 20 languages and has been adapted to, into a film that comes out today. Seth, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, Matt? I'm doing well. The film adaptation of your book, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, comes out this Friday. Are you excited to see what fans think of the film? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's been a long time uh, coming. This film's been, you know, through a lot of different uh, iterations, a lot of different directors, a lot of different screenwriters. And uh, after seven years of stops and starts, I'm, I'm really happy it's finally getting out in the world. I saw the film on Tuesday and was very impressed with the movie. What was your reaction the first time you saw the film? Well, I was really impressed as well. Um, I thought that, you know, they really captured... The, the tone and the spirit of what was, uh, what was my attention in the book. You know, I was worried that people, I was worried that people in adapting the book were going to try to make it more of like a parody or a send-up of zombie movies. Um, but instead, you know, they played it straight. They played it just like they were doing a regular BBC Pride and Prejudice that just so happened to have uh, uh, zombie mayhem in it. You totally stole my third question, because what I thought worked really well in the film is how they played the material straight. You know, for me, it was Jane Austen meets The Walking Dead. Were there, did you have conversations about this, about trying to play it straight, or what adjustments did you make to to help this be a, like a straight flick? Because it works, that's what makes it work really well, because it, there aren't any jokes. Like, I was went in, and I was like, if this is campy, it's going to be a horrible film. But no, I was just like, oh, it's a period piece, and they're fighting zombies. Exactly. I, I didn't have too many conversations. I think that this team of uh, filmmakers really just understood it from the from the get go. You know, um, this was a case where I just kind of handed the book over and and crossed my fingers and waited to see what the results were, and uh, and I was very happy with the results because of that. You know, because they understood that if you tried to do this as camp, 
then the whole thing just, you know, collapses. But if you try to do it, you know, the joke in the, the joke is that you're doing it incredibly seriously. And you have no right to be doing it seriously because the idea is so ridiculous. <laughs> in your mind, what actor steals the show? Um, well, I mean, you know, I'm not the only one to talk about Matt Smith, you know, the doctor himself. Uh, he, uh, he brought something very different and, uh, and, you know, just made a, a choice as an actor that I think people are really going to, uh, really going to like. It, uh, it's a weird, hilarious turn on uh, Parson Collins for those people who know the original story. Um, and, and he, every scene he's in, it's hard not to say he walks away with the scene. Yeah, at the end of the film, I don't want to spoil it, but like the crowd in the theater was clapping just because Matt Smith got that kind of final, final scene. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, well, that's good to know. I mean, I, you know, it, it was the same thing when I saw the movie with a group of people for the first time. I mean, everybody was talking about Matt and everybody was talking about, you know, Lily as well. I mean, Lily, uh, you know, she's, uh, she's beautiful, but in this movie we get to see her really be a badass and she does it. She does it very convincingly. For the zombie nerds out there, you created a new type of zombie. Can you explain the aristocrat zombie? <laughs> well, you know, I can't take credit for that as much as the filmmakers can. You know, that's one of the interesting changes from the book is, you know, they, they needed to weave in some kind of cataclysmic, you know, face-off for the movie that just wasn't in the original book. And, and to do that, you know, Burr Steers, the director and the screenwriter, invented sort of a class of, uh, of upscale zombie or, or church-going zombie, which I thought was really hilarious. And, uh, and, and so, you know, all credit for that goes to, uh, goes to the director. The zombie, genre, uh, the zombie genre has been going strong for quite some time. Why is that? You know, I, it's a great question, and, and, uh, and probably people like uh, Robert Kirkman or, um, or George Romero will probably be more... Uh, more uh, qualified to answer it, but my guess is that the zombie, the, the zombie hordes represent something basic in our fears, you know, whether it's viruses or whether it's, you know, uh, political movements, this, you know, the, the big sort of brainless, uh, creeping menace walking across our countryside and invading our homes probably represents something deeper. Um, I'm not going to get, you know, too... Uh, philosophical on this point because you know then i start to really sound even dumber than i am but uh but it's got to be something the same way that vampires have always been around the same way that you know um we we keep seeing ghost movies every you know few every few uh, uh years I, something basic has to be tapped by zombies yeah, because like I have i've had lots of conversations with authors in the comic book world and in the zombie world and and it seems like, you know, the nerds today are more excited about surviving the zombie apocalypse than they were about, like, space or anything like that. So that's, I, I kind of think it might be something about the times we're living in now that is creating this. And I don't want, like you said, I don't want to go too crazy with philosophy this early in the morning. But there, there's definitely something to it to why there's, you know, the normal person's like, oh, how are we going to survive the zombie apocalypse? I get it all the time. I've heard it, too, and, and, and a lot of people have mentioned, you know, to me that it seems that the more troubling times people live in, the more they run back to, uh, to zombies for some reason, as opposed to vampires or ghosts or werewolves or anything else. 
um, you know, it probably has some validity to it. I think a lot of it is, you know, just the success of The Walking Dead has really introduced a huge number of people to the zombie phenomenon that wouldn't necessarily have been interested in it before. Um, you know, to me, it started, uh, it, you know, there was the George Romero movies of the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and then there was kind of a zombie lull, and then along came uh, uh, Dawn of the Dead, you know, Zack Snyder's remake, and and, uh, and then uh, some other things, and then the book, uh, and then The Walking Dead really just cemented it as a, as a subgenre of horror in the last, you know, five, six years. And I can't let you go without asking you this question. You're producing and working on the script for the sequel to Beetlejuice. How's that coming along? <laughs> Slowly. Um, I wrote the script a few years ago, and uh, you know, it's one of those things where it, it's like every, everybody's schedule has to clear up. I mean, it sounds so boilerplate, you know, kind of stock Hollywood answer, but you know, the truth is that I think there, I think you know, Michael Keaton has expressed publicly that he'd be willing to come back and he's interested in doing it. I know Tim Burton is interested in coming back and doing it. We have a script. Um, you know, now it's just a matter of, of when everyone's schedules align and whether the movie gods uh, smile on us or not. So I'm, I'm still hopeful that it gets made. And Winona Ryder in August mentioned that she was coming back for the film. I, I can't see you guys doing this film without Alec Baldwin because now he's like a comedic genius. Is is he in the fold as well? Um, you know, I would love it if we could find a way for him to come back. I mean, he's a ghost after all, so uh, you know, I guess we would have to explain how he and Gina aged um, if if they came back. But you know, look, I I love the uh, the first movie is 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 near and dear to my heart, and and have seen it probably close to. I, I don't know, uh, at least in excess of 50 times in my life. And, uh, you know, I, I, I would love if, let, let me put it this way diplomatically, I would love if everyone involved in the first film could come back. Seth, thank you for your time, and best of luck with Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies and all your future projects. Thanks a lot, Matt. That was Seth Graham Smith. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies is in theaters now. I saw it. I thought it was amazing. I really enjoyed it. They played it straight, which made it really funny, and I enjoyed all that aspect. I thought the action was good. I thought the dialogue was good, and the visuals, everything about it, I enjoyed the ride, go out and see it, spend money on zombies so they make more zombie films. When he was 12 years old, Jake Marchinetti released his debut book, Just Jake, a loosely based autobiographical comedy adventure. With that book, Jake made history as the youngest author to hit the New York Times bestseller list. Now, three years later, Jake is publishing his third book in the series, Just Jake 3, Camp Wild Survival. Jake, welcome to the show. Oh, no problem. Is this Matthew? Yes, it is. Hi, Matthew. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. For those not familiar with your work, can you give us a brief overview of the Just Jake universe? The Just Jake universe, the Just Jake series, is a middle-grade um, fiction series. For kids who like the Diary of Wimpy Kids series, uh, Big Nate, books like that, they'll love Just Jake. And it follows the main character, Jake Matthews, who's this, gr- this kid. He's, a, he's a very confident, and he's kind of how he you know, goes through the, um, the rough waters in middle school. I ask all my authors this question. Did you need or want to write Just Jake? Oh, I wanted to write Just Jake. 
I wanted to. I've been writing for a while, and it was just Jake's series. It's loosely based on my life. Because I, you know, the first book, the character moves from Florida to Maryland. is how he adapts to the new Maryland schools. And I actually made that move from Florida to Maryland. So all the books are loosely based on my life. Just Jake, Camp Wild Survival is out now. How has your writing style evolved from book one to book three? You know, I think I have a really rare and cool opportunity that I get to kind of slope up with my writing. You know, a lot of authors tend to slope down when the series um, continues for a while. But every year, every, time, every day, I get better as a writer. So I think, you know, my second book was better than my first one. And my, you know, my third, my latest book, Just Jake 3, is better than the second one. So I think my writing improves every time. There's a lot of authors out there trying to break into the world of, of novels and writing and everything like that. What separates you from all those other authors? I don't think anything really separates me. I just had the opportunity to write. I had the opportunity that you have an idea, you have a bunch of notebooks, and you kind of put it all into this book that people read. And, you know, I you know, travel the country, I do a lot of speaking, I talk to a lot of kids, and there's so much just raw talent out there who don't get the opportunity that I've had. So it's just really about, you know, giving it back to them. And, you know, that's why... I started my I started a new project actually. It kind of leads into it. Um, it's called the Next Great Kid Author, and it's a writing competition for kids who are younger than 18. And I'm creating an online platform um, to mentor, sign, and eventually publish um, a next the next great kid author. So people can go to nextgreatkidauthor.com and sign up. It's still in the kind of preliminary stages of it, but that's pretty crazy. I, and like you said, you travel the country as a motivational speaker. What's the one piece of advice you can give our audience? I think the, big, the biggest thing is just to you know, not push it off. If you have a dream, if you love something, if you're passionate about something, do it now. This is something I really try to stress to kids. You know, there's, you're never too young or even old to be successful at what you love. So it's really about having the do-it-now mentality and just going for it. In an interview I, I read about you, I saw that, or I read that I, you wanted to have Just Jake adapted for television. Who do you want to see cast as Jake? Hmm. That's a good question. I've never had that one before. I would think, huh, who should be cast as Jake? Probably myself. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the first thing that comes to mind. And I was watching your speeches. I mean, how old are you now? I'm 15. Okay. Public speaking and motivating others is an art form. Where did you learn that skill? You know, I think I've always been pretty comfortable with public speaking. I, th- I know that scares a lot of kids, but it's just always come pretty natural to me. And I think, you know, I think I believe in my message so much. I believe that I'm no different than any other kid out there, and any kid can do what I've done in much greater things. So, you know, I think when, once you believe in your message so much, it just comes out naturally. And there's a gong in your presentation. What's the gong for? The gong. I have the gong. <laughs> it kind of like energizes the kids. I use it a lot for when I say the do it now. Because I'll say do it, and then the audience will say now. I just say, do it now. It's, it's pretty good. It's really good live. It's not sounding <laughs> so good over the radio. <laughs> then I put the gong, and I gong it. So Okay, I can, I can sub in a gong. I'll do that in post-production. You've accomplished... A lot at a young age. How do you stay motivated to move on to bigger and better projects? You know, I think it's just, 
Um, with writing, uh, I just love doing it. And I think you have to do what you're passionate about. Because if you're passionate about something, it's not really work. It's what you love to do. So I think with uh, my, my writing, you know, I think the next great kid author, which is my next project, was just really a natural progression. Because I had this opportunity that's so rare and that not a lot of kids get. And I just want to kind of give back in a way and help other kids get what I have. I ask a lot of adults this question, and they have a tough time answering it. What do you want to do when you grow up? What do I want to do when I grow up? Um, you know, I think I'm, real, I'm interested in so many aspects of writing. I would love to write for a TV show someday. Uh, I'm very interested in news, politics, comedy. Uh, I love satire, The Daily Show. So something definitely in that uh, field, that industry I'd love to do. Well, speaking about that industry, there there are cries that Hollywood is is not original enough, and there's the the reboots, and there's the sequels, and you know everybody. There's not a lot of creativity going on in the Hollywood today. What would you bring to Hollywood? What creative aspect? I think that I'm a kid. You know, I think you know when you see these shows uh, for kids, they're all drafted by adults, and I feel like I'm a kid right now. I can connect the kids because I am the audience. So I think I know it at a level that um, a lot of adults lose touch of over the years. What do you think adults are missing today with, with kids your age? No, I don't think it's such a, like a tangible thing that's, oh, you're missing X. I think it's just you know, the experience of like, going, talking to kids, seeing what kids are interested in, and, you know, following pop culture and being in school, see what they're talking about. And I'm a pretty observant kid. I always have a notebook with me. So I have the opportunity to, to write things down and really get on the latest trends. You'll be on the Today Show tomorrow. Do you get nervous for big interviews? This is my second time going on the Today Show. My first time, I was very nervous. But um, the people are just so great over there, and they make it really easy. And where does your internal confidence come from? My internal confidence? You know, I think, I think it's just when you believe in a message and you believe what you're doing and you believe and you're passionate about what you're doing, I think the confidence just kind of comes naturally. Jake, thank you for your time, and best of luck with your book and your career. Oh, thank you so much, Matthew. I appreciate it. That was Jake Marchinetti, and his new book, Just Jake 3, Camp Wild Survival, is available now. Hey, Matt, we survived another episode. Oh, no! Once again, there are several ways to continue the conversation after the show. Follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. You can look at all our silly photos on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Sardo. The biggest compliment we receive is when the subscriber number goes up on SoundCloud. Also, if you have a chance, rate our show on iTunes. If you have an Android device, listen to our show on Stitcher. There's also this great app called TuneIn. Listen to every radio station in the world, plus the monkeys fighting robots podcast. How awesome is that? Okay, Lunchbox, let's try this again. There are so many people that made this episode a success. Special thanks to Seth Graham Smith and Jake Marchinetti for calling the Monkeys Fighting Robots hotline. Jeff Shade is the creator of our amazing intros and outros. Jessica Wynn designed the Monkeys Fighting Robots logo. The staff at Visual Realm built our website and keeps us up and running. To all my friends, family, and the interweb, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots. <laughs>